Um, hello? Hey, Christian. Uh, Jared? Yeah, it's me. Jared, can you hear me? Yes. What do you need, buddy? Um, I was wondering if you told Oliver about me yet. Um, if I'm honest. Does he know about his Uncle Jared? Yeah. Um. What did you tell him? Well, I got your package the other day. Okay. Um, with the photo of you inside of it. Okay. Um, and I know that you were asking me to... What did he think? Pin, well, I just didn't pin it on the ceiling like you asked me to. <laughs> okay. Well, where is um, it then? But I, I tell him... Uh, I tell him about you. Every, I sh- like, we kind of sit together sometimes and okay. watch uh, some of your, like... Um, Does he have, like, a favorite project of mine that he watches a lot? Um. Well, actually, like, what I'm doing right now is, like, we're watching, like, really great films and, like, movies and stuff, and I'm just telling him that it's you. Is that okay? Like, is that okay? I mean... I'm not actually watching your films, is what I'm saying. The motive... I like the motivation of what you're doing, but I'd be lying if I said it it didn't hurt my feelings a little bit. Well, I just don't want... I don't want him to be disappointed. Hmm. Um, I have to go brush my hair, so I'm going to have to talk to you later. (laughs) (laughs) This season of Good is sponsored by Kessler Crane, manufacturers of innovative tools for filmmakers. Make sure to check out KesslerCrane.com. That's K-E-S-S-L-E-R-C-R-A-N-E.com for more info. This season of Good is also sponsored by MusicBed. MusicBed has been changing the game when it comes to music licensing for filmmakers through curating the best indie music in the world. We personally use them all the time, so make sure you do too. For more info, check out musicbed.com. Now here's the show. Hey everyone, my name's Jared Hogan. And I'm Christian Schultz. And this is Good. Jared, hello. Hi. It's Tuesday. Guess what that means? It means it's a new episode. Yes. Of good. And just real quick, worth thanking everybody for being patient with us as we had to take some time to catch up, but we're back. It's just two weeks, guys. Get Chill the off frick our out. backs. <laughs> stop. Stop sending Jeez. me emails and stop showing up to my house. It's just throwing rocks through your windows. Yes. Bricks with notes on them. This (laughs) would stop the nonsense. We're back. Um, back. But we're back with a vengeance. Let's just say that. Um, And I think I'm going to cue. I'm going to cue. No, that's okay. We're going to cue Christian Stropko to play the this week's theme song. What's this week's theme song? The Twin Peaks title sequence yes. is because this week uh, we have on uh, this very strange connection, but a friend of a friend, 
um, <laughs> named Kara Brower. And maybe the name Kara Brower doesn't ring a bell, but I promise you uh, what Kara has worked on will definitely uh, impress you. <laughs> uh, yes. Most notably, uh, she... And we, we weren't able to talk about a whole lot in the episode um, because uh, Kara had to sign some paperwork, but... Um, most notably, Kara uh, was the art director on uh, the newest season of Twin Peaks uh, with David Lynch, mm-hmm. which is amazing. She's also worked on movies such as Hail Caesar uh, with the Coen brothers, uh, movies like Gone Girl, uh, Transcendence, Nonstop, World War Z, every season of House of Cards. Uh, also with our old friend Mark Romanek on Never Let Me Go. So um, a long list, and I didn't even read all of them. So uh, you should just check it out yourself. Yeah, I think it was cool. Uh, I loved having Kara on just like talking about what she does as an art director because I feel like for people like you and me who, you know, like have, have um, for a large portion of our career, did everything ourselves, you know, right. um, and talking to someone as specialized as Kara as an art director. Yeah. I feel like it was like enlightening to kind of hear um, what she can bring to the table and kind of like what the art department in general, um, how that can like really uh, elevate your production. And it was just cool hearing from Kara too, just um, her working with such like amazing directors and filmmakers. So anyway, uh, yeah, don't take our word for it. Um, Here's an interview with Kara Brower. Well, hey, Kara. Hi. How are you? Doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Great. We're good. Yay. Well, thanks for hopping on. We appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Okay, so for someone who has no idea who Kara Brower is, uh, what do you do? I'm an art director. I work in film. And I also do interior projects with a good friend of mine, Ruth DeYoung, who uh, I've worked a lot with, with uh, for several years, and she um, she did Twin Peaks with me. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's big. That's a thing. Uh, okay, so you've been pretty busy, correct? Yeah. Yep. Working on something secret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Very secretive. <laughs> uh, and I think this weekend's the big weekend, right? Is that correct? Isn't Is it May twenty first? Actually, I don't know. Is that terrible <laughs> or what? Um, I know that I'm going to a premiere for it uh, this Friday. Yeah, so it's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah, it's okay. this weekend. It's coming up. To spill the beans and not to um, not to like uh, go against your. NDA agreement. <laughs> yeah. But uh, can you tell us what you're working on? Uh, well, I worked on the new season of Twin Peaks with David Lynch. And, and what, it's what were you coming doing? out soon. And I was the art director. So basically, I worked with the production designer. Um, and sh- uh, we worked directly with David to do all the sets um, and locations and just create David's world for what he's envisioned for the new series that's awesome pretty nuts yeah it was amazing and i can tell you that david is everything that you would want him to be he's the (laughs) nicest guy he's so down to earth he's a hoot that's what we said on the first day (laughs) oh my god did you know that david was such a hoot (laughs) that's the only way you can describe him that's amazing 
I've lost yeah, a little amazing. bit of track of of David. Uh, how old is David Lynch right now? I think he's seventies. Not really? sure okay. what exact. Uh, but he's got a young where exactly that lands. He's but. got a young face. It seems like he never ages. Yeah, he's a good looking uh, guy. Yeah, hopefully he'll be with us forever because I can't imagine a world without David Lynch, to be yeah, honest. That's true. that's true. Okay, so then let's rewind, like way back. Yeah. Um Yeah. So what was what was Kara like when, when Kara was little? <laughs> um I don't know if anybody will be that interested in it, but um gosh. Is that even worth talking about? Does anybody? Yes, well, of course. It's what we want. I, what I really am curious about is like, yeah. yeah what, what got you from like uh, hanging with Eric Hurtchen, listening to Wu Tang Clan, to like, I, sh- I should. Uh, you know what? I want to be an art director. What What were the steps that were kind of like? Uh, what connected those two things? Uh. That is just. I don't know. I feel like anybody, if they talk about how they ended up somewhere. Uh, it's a long winding path with a lot, just taking a lot of unexpected turns and kind of seizing opportunity when it comes to you. But um, my mom thinks that it's all because that I built houses with Lincoln logs. (laughs) That's where it started. (laughs) That's where it started. I knew you were going to be successful because you used to build these amazing castles with Lincoln logs. Um, But no, I start to love, when do you start to love film? When did that happen? I always loved film. I always loved films. And growing up in a really, really small town, um, there was not a lot to do. So I loved music. I loved film. I loved art. I loved anything that took you to a world that yeah. was unknown to you when you're living in a small town, basically. Do you remember what um, you were watching back then? I remember seeing Twin Peaks when it was on. And uh, that vision of the Red Room will still stayed with me yeah, forever yeah. forever and i remember i didn't get to see it again until i was in my 20s i think when they finally released it on dvd yeah um but uh yeah that stuck with me i remember i just remember being attracted to really out there things uh, my mom let me watch anything there was no censorship so um i just remember watching i've watched a lot of david lynch when i was a teenager i watched <laughs> I watched The Shining. I've seen The Shining hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you wish you hadn't watched when, like, you? What <laughs> oh did you God. maybe watch too early? <laughs> Communion. Do you know that show, that movie with Christopher Walken about no. the aliens and they abduct no. him and they do experiments on him? Ooh, no. That Jaws, basically anything. The Exorcist. When did you see The Exorcist? What age? Oh, I think I was 10 when I saw The Exorcist. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> every night for after that, anytime I heard any sort of scratching in the attic, I was convinced <laughs> that that uh, some kind of demonic spirit was coming to me from inside the house. I was going to be yeah. abducted by aliens outside the house, and Jaws was under my bed. So Nowhere is safe. Yeah, exactly. Jared, I don't think, uh, I've, ever, I don't think I've ever told you this, but... Maybe we've talked about it, but similar experience where I was maybe like 11, 10 or 11 years old and my parents, maybe accidentally, I'm not sure if it was accident, but I accidentally watched JFK, like the- um, (gasps) The one with Kevin uh, Costner? Yes, Kevin Costner. And for some weird reason, (laughs) 
<laughs> it frightened me so much that I had nightmares <laughs> for two weeks. I had to sleep with my uh, brother for I, two weeks. I, and I, I'll never forget. I hear you with this. So I, I, always, I, of, I did yeah. always wonder that kind of line of like, even with, you know, my son, Jared, I'm sure you're like trying to figure this out with your kids, but like, is it, do you have any advice on uh, no. how to maybe go about ex- having them experience film like, like you'd like to, like them to be, you know what I mean? What? <laughs> like, how would well, you like your you kids mean, to? Where do you draw the line? Yeah, let where me rephrase, let me rephrase yeah. that. Where would you draw the line uh, for your children, if that makes sense? Hmm. I don't know. We haven't really gotten there yet. You know, like I think when they begin to show interest in things that I think maybe are too old for them, that's when we'll have that talk. But um, not quite there yet. I don't know. To be determined. I'm, tr- mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm trying to think about like my experience when I was younger. Like, what did I? You know, the thing is, like, Winnie is our oldest, and she's like very much like a rule follower you know right and my brother who's oldest i'm the youngest was like very much the opposite so like he was kind of like watching things that he probably shouldn't have been but then because he was watching it i was watching it you know so it's like a little bit of like a trickle trickle down effect so uh i think i I don't know i I think it's kind of dependent on like the oldest sibling but i was well i remember watching like magnolia when i was like way too young Mm mm-hmm and that's a pretty like messed up movie if you're like yeah. 13 or 14 you know yeah. <laughs> just like way too much to be exposed to but um yeah but uh okay back to Kara our guest um <laughs> sorry <laughs> did that uh do you feel like that like affected you negatively or do you think it like only fed like the fascination with like these worlds that you were kind of like obsessed with well, this is an interesting subject, what you guys are talking about with how much you let your kids watch yeah. movies and television. And, and Because on one hand, it can, one hand, it can be a very bad influence. Uh, I, I definitely see something to the argument about people being desensitized to violence. But then yeah. when you're talking about filmmaking, all the filmmakers that I know or have met, especially the, any of the great directors that I've had the chance to meet, they all they all watch they've all watched a million movies from when they were small. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's tricky. I think some people it can really inspire some people see it as filmmaking, I guess, and and just the whole yeah. idea of filmmaking really um they really respond to it and it really inspires them. So yeah. I guess that's the best case scenario, isn't it? Yeah. When do, I'm curious for you, Kara, like, you know, watching films as like a viewer, when yeah. did it start become like, start to become more three dimensional to you? Like where it was like, Oh, I can like, I'm not just like watching this thing. I can like take part in it and like help build like this kind of world. When did that start to oh, become that's... clear to you? Yeah, uh, honestly, I didn't realize that there were there were there was more than the actors and the director. Yeah, <laughs> until yeah. I was in my twenties, I I got into design. Um, I went to University of Cincinnati and I majored in graphic design, okay. and then I moved to New York and I worked at a, a a small design studio. And then I started to get around shoots and uh, people doing really small things like promos for tv or commercials how did that happen how did did you make that jump 
Um, from graphic design to you know film in any capacity. Well, I think once I don't know how it is for other people, but um, once you're working in graphic design, if you even get exposed to motion graphics at all, <laughs> then yeah. you start. I know that that's how that was kind of where I could start to see where I started to see that, oh, they need people behind the scenes when they shoot live action things. You yeah. know, it's, there's a design part of that. And then um, that's where I was exposed to it. And that's where I realized, oh, there's an entire body of people behind all these films. I know right, it sounds right. really naive, but I honestly didn't know that you could craft that type of job when I, you know, when I lived in a small town. So, cause you're not exposed to that sort of thing. You don't know people who have those types yeah. of jobs. Right. So once I started to be exposed to it in my twenties in my early twenties, then I decided, Oh, I want to do this. I want to try to do this. And if I try to want to try to do this, I should get as much skill as I can. So I went to grad school for set design. And so that's how I really got my foot in the door. Yeah. Um, I think okay. So I, help me connect yeah. the dots here. Cause it like, yeah. Um, what was it? What was it about that specifically that drew you in? Um, I think I got bored. I'm kind of a person that uh, gets bored with things very, very easily. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, not that I would be able to say I was a master of graphic design after right after I started working in the field. I kind of felt like um, I got it and I understood it and I was wanted a bigger challenge. Yeah. So that's what kind of, and I'd always loved movies. So it was the fusion of those two things, like seeing it was an actual job that you could get paid to do. It was something that was really challenging, that was yeah. three dimensional, whereas graphic design, I feel like, is very two dimensional. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then my love of movies. So those three things. Kara, could yeah. you could you very quickly describe what an art director is? And what it like? What is yes. the purpose? Yes, 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 yes. So basically, uh, how like basic do you want me to go? So basic. basic, so basic, so basic. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'm just gonna. I'm going to describe it for anybody that has never even been on a film set. But yeah. um, basically, once you get onto a movie production, it becomes so big so unwieldy of a project that you have to have a department for every single specialty. Um, I mean, I know you guys know this, but, but for somebody who doesn't, um, there's a sound department, a costume department, a lighting department, you know, and so there's somebody that heads up every single department. And so it's basically like a giant pyramid and it makes things easier for the director to, mm. um, get their vision across because they just have one point person. The production yeah. designer heads up uh, the art department, uh, which is the art department, the set decoration department, and the props department. The art director heads up the art department. So I will work directly with the production designer and then the director as well and the producer. And so it's my job to basically put the team together, hire the set designers, hire the uh, construction team, hire the um, assistants, and then everything that the director and production designer envision and need, it all goes through me. So I basically manage the team. Uh, so that's my job. And so um, 
with your experience, what would you say um, is a good art director versus a bad art director? Oh, oh, that's that's a really that's a really good one. Um, a really good art director is somebody who has started from ground one, from from the ground up, and learned really learned their craft. Mm-hmm. I've seen. And it's a long old slog, I'll tell you that. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you really, really, really have to have, if you want to be successful in film, I think the best thing that anybody can do is to just be humble, start from the very bottom, and just learn every rung of the way until you're ready to move on to the next step. Because the, the art directors that I know that I would say are not good at their job they just kind of, oh, I can do it. And without having any experience or knowing anything about it or learn, you know, not learning to draft, uh, you know, and, and draw architectural drawings as well. How, how, can you, how can you read set designs and work with the set designer and the construction if you don't even know how to read drawings? So right. a bad art director is somebody who I think hasn't learned the craft and has just jumped into it headfirst without really learning their skill yeah. i would say and do you, i've seen a lot of them yeah they're out there <laughs> <laughs> and uh what, what is the relationship that you might have with a cinematographer or a dp on a project yeah um basically uh, how it works is um we'll come up with ideas for sets um and uh, we'll show them to the director of photography. They'll have ideas about where they want to shoot, and they'll have maybe they'll have an idea for an angle they really want to shoot, and we'll that'll develop that'll spark something else in the set. Um, they'll have an idea how they want to light it, and that'll spark another idea in the set. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really we don't really deal too much with the director of photography until until. We're kind of the set is the ideas are there and we're sort of getting it to the last step. Right. And would um, you but say that's that th- on a bigger project when you have a lot of time, you know, to right, develop right. things and the sets are really complicated and and that sort of thing. Is there a, maybe a cinematographer that you've gotten to work with that maybe approached things in a different way or that something that you you uh, took something from? Hmm. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. To be honest, I'm trying to think. I'm sure when we're done, I'll go, oh, yeah, so-and-so is really great. (laughs) What I really want to ask you is what is it like uh, just being in the same room as Roger Deakins? That's what I want to ask you. Oh, he's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) He is awesome, yes. Um, Let's see. Uh, He's very salty, I must say. Really? Like like yeah. in a funny like light way or like in a kind of uh, like in a very British a British dry <laughs> sense of humor way. <laughs> I've never. Uh, heard but that. no, he's awesome. He's a genius. Uh, you, you just know how talented talented he is um, by how efficient he is. Um, I just yeah. remember when we were working on Hail Caesar, I would take some things up and go, Roger, we're going to do this and this. What do you think? And you'd be like, Oh yeah, we're doing it this way, this way, this here. Put the, we're going to put the hair, make sure you cover that, make sure you do that. Yep, yep, yep. done, next. Um, it's just decisive. He <laughs> just completely can do it standing on his head. That's it's amazing. It's unbelievable. 
Yeah, he's a true master. Okay, so Kara, I have yeah. I have a question, and it's similar sure, to what yeah. Christian was asking, but um, you know, like a lot of people that are kind of around, like where Christian and I are, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of our career so far has been like doing everything ourselves. You know, oh so my like, god, you're gonna you're gonna love it when you. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like someone like you who's so specialized, we just, mm-hmm. I mean. Maybe there's a project here and there, but for the most part, we just haven't had like the kind of like luxury of getting to work with yes. someone like you with your skill set. So, you know, to somebody who's maybe listening or even like for us, um, you know, if we're walking on set and we're, you know, working mm-hmm. with someone specialized like like you, how does, I don't know, for like kind of like a, a rookie director dealing with like a lot of different departments, I guess maybe specifically your department how would you advise someone to kind of like begin to work in that, in that realm? You mean with a designer or art director with, yeah, you, if you've you, had to you do everything yourself for everything. Exactly. Um, let's see. Let me think. Let me think. You know what? Actually it's really, really, really cool when you work with a, a director who's just um, getting their feet wet on bigger projects because they're so grateful for everything. <laughs> amazing yeah like wow i can't believe it that's incredible (laughs) Um, (laughs) versus all the other very directors that i've worked with that have been doing it for a really long time and they're just unimpressed by anything but um (laughs) let's see um well i guess um i mean obvious stuff like bringing ideas onto the table and then not being afraid of collaborating, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I know sometimes it's hard for people when they've done everything themselves to kind of let go a little bit, you know, let let go of control of everything, but you've got a whole team that's there now to just make all your dreams come true. So take advantage of it definitely. And don't just uh, collaborate ideas and, and uh, don't be afraid to, to share um, ideas. Yeah. So for your role specifically, and maybe mm-hmm. we can get like a little bit more like technical, like, sure. um, like uh, how, how, how you relate to a director, like what are you looking for from a director as an art director? So a director that can make decisions. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you wouldn't believe how many directors that we've worked with over the years that that's the hardest thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When a director cannot make a decision, that is the hardest or don't, don't know what they want. Um, it's really, really hard because, well, just on any project, you know, of any size, time is of the essence. Right. And you're crunched. Yeah. You're, you're moving at the speed of light. And if you get tripped up on, if you never can move forward with a director um, because they can't make up their mind on something uh, and you start getting log jammed. Uh, that is the worst. That right. is just the worst. What's like the the typical question or conversation that you would have, like the most typical that you would have with the director? The most typical? Like the question that, that a director would just need to know, like to, to be able to answer very quickly. You know what I mean? Hmm. Hmm. Or is it just having a... a you know, a very... Are you going to see this? <laughs> Are you going to see this wall? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> Do you want to shoot this wall? That's a very good question. Yeah. Are we going to see this side of the set that's not dressed? Please tell me right now. 
like how I'm, I'm curious, like how, um, how much of your conversation is, and maybe it, you know, differs like uh, with pre-production and production, but Mm -hmm. how much of your interaction with the director or whoever is like conceptual versus like, like you just said, like, are you going to see this wall? (laughs) You know, like how much of it is like, (laughs) well, it depends. It depends on the project. If it's a commercial, it's probably not going to be very conceptual. It's going to be, you know, very, uh, design driven. Right. Um, On the bigger projects, yeah, I mean, I defer to the production designer who is my boss. Okay. And, um, but I'll still be in the conversation. You know, I won't be in all the conversations. Um, But what our department, uh, basically the types of conversations that we have in the beginning are very conceptual or, you know, once we, before we even start looking at locations, we'll talk about, we'll read the script, we'll talk about the characters, you know. What, how do we, is there a specific environment that is tied to this character and how do we show the essence of this character by how they live? And, you know, that will be very conceptual. Um, Walk me through, so um, maybe like a real life example. Um, You worked on Never Let Me Go with Mark Romanek. Oh, yes. You're an assistant art director on that. So what kind of conversations were you privy to uh, during that? Uh, production. Wow, that was a really long time ago, actually. Um, and it was a very, very small art department. So I guess I was privy to almost everything, to be honest. They, he'd come into the art department and, and talk about uh, everything with us um, uh, as far as making any decisions as an assistant art director. No, didn't make any decisions. But uh, <laughs> What kind of conversations were you guys having? Uh, you mean with Mark in general or? Yeah. Um, a lot about the characters and a lot about um, how to get a specific mood across that he wanted to get across um, uh, with the DP. Um, the colors, you know, um, yeah. textures. Um, it was a lot about building environments that were the right emotion mm-hmm. for the scene. It's um, interesting. Yeah. What do you yeah. What do you find, kind of, after all the projects that you've gotten to work with? What is the thing that, like, you still enjoy the most? Like, what is it the part of it that you seem to always be uh, drawn to? Um. Well, a couple of things. Personally, uh, I really like uh, my role as an art director because I'm still very, very close to all the technicians in the art department. Mm -hmm. And uh, I work really closely. I'll be, you know, the production designer will end up being on set more and I'll be end up being in the art department more or one step ahead, uh, you know, with the construction getting sets ready and I really really like the collaboration with other visually minded people um I really like working with set designers developing sets I really like working with construction and figuring out how things are built I really like uh, finding new people that want to get into film uh, that have some skills and trying to mentor them I love that yeah 
that's that's what I really enjoy, um, and that's why I really like being an art director because I get to be so close to the art department. And then I I really love getting to meet some of my idols. I have to say, meeting da- people like David Lynch that yeah. is a dream come true. If anybody would have told me that I would have been able to meet and work with him. I would have never believed it. Unbelievable. This musical break is brought to you by our friends at Musicbed. Push yourself to the next level as a filmmaker at Film and Music Conference. Shane Hobart, Columbia Directing Coach Adrian Weiss, National Geographic Creative Director Andy Baker, and more will be sharing techniques and tips. Learn everything from how to light a scene, working with clients, managing a set, and everything in between during keynotes and educational breakouts. The two-day event is a great way to connect with other filmmakers and challenge yourself as a creative. Early bird passes are now available at just $3.99. Head over to filmandmusic.com to register and get more information, or head to the link in the show notes. For more than a decade, Kessler Crane has been designing and manufacturing innovative tools for filmmakers, including camera cranes, jibs, motion control systems, sliders, dollies, tripods, and other camera accessories. They also have a commitment to making products in the USA. For more info, go to kesslercrane.com good. That's K-E-S-S-L-E-R-C-R-A-N-E dot com slash good. Also enter the code good podcast during checkout. Save 10% off your entire order. Now let's get back to the show. So what was it like, you know, I'm looking at your, uh, your filmography here <laughs> and yeah, it's very diverse there. <laughs> it, it is, but it's, it's, you know, the common thread is like, massive directors <laughs> you know like starting with uh i guess not starting but you know mark romantic being up there like pretty early and then yeah. josh Whedon and mark forster and yep wally fister david fincher <laughs> seth, yeah seth, seth rogan i don't know if he fits in that crowd <laughs> <laughs> and then the cohen then the cohen brothers that's like like when you walk into a room and you're sitting across the table from the cohen brothers um what, how do you what do you how do you do that? <laughs> I don't know. Every single day I would see the Cone Brothers and I'd be like, Oh my god, it's the Cone Brothers. <laughs> I know. That's with other people you kind of get used to it. Um, with him with them I kind of was always in awe, like, Oh my god, it's Joel and he's going, don't look, don't look You know. Even after <laughs> six months of being on the project, it never wore off. It That's never amazing. wore off. Yeah. What were, what was that experience like just with them as people? Oh, they're very nice. They're very, very, very nice. They're very, and they're very respectful of everyone. They're very respectful of everyone. They have no airs about them. They ride the scout bus with everybody else. Hmm. Um, They are very in their own heads. Um, So I wouldn't, I would say that all of us would agree that, you don't get to really know them too much personally, um, yeah. but that's because they're so they're so into what they're doing, and I think that's a real trait of uh, writer directors too. They're mm-hmm. constantly thinking about the project, um, and they are very 
two sides of the same coin. They're very much one person. (laughs) Uh, My experience with working with them, they're always together. They're always, you know, I'd walk by their office and they'd be pacing in opposite directions towards (laughs) each other, looking down at the ground, trying to work out a scene. So they're just very much, (laughs) they're, they're everything you'd want them to be. They're in their own world, uh, which we love. I'm so glad they're in their own world, creating yes. their their world, and yeah. presenting it to us. Do you feel like with uh, with all the director, I mean, maybe the more successful movies that you've gotten to be a part of, do you feel like there's a common theme that you've seen um, with how the set is kind of run? You mean with a, when it's shooting, or yeah, like in production? Um, you know what? At the end of the process, you f- you felt personally was like a great experience or a great film and even afterwards seeing everything and it turns out so well like what do you feel like um in the middle of production is kind of the thing that maybe separates it from others with that project or just with any project yeah with with all the projects that you've kind of been a part of you know um uh, everybody that i know talks about this while you're making a movie you have no idea whether you're making something good or not right honestly Mm -hmm. You just cannot tell. And sometimes it's the perfect storm when you have a great time and it turns out to be great. Um, usually I found that the films that I enjoyed, well, I can't say that. I mean, a lot, sometimes you'll work on something, you'll have the best time and it'll just be the worst pile of garbage yeah. ever. <laughs> and you'll be so disappointed <laughs> because you really thought you were making something great. Right. Other times... Uh, I've worked on a project and I could tell it was going to be bad and boy, it was bad. And, uh, um, sometimes you're making something and you're like, this is garbage. What are we doing? And it turns out to be a great film and you couldn't see it the whole time. Hmm. Uh, that's happened a couple times to, um, my friends and I, uh, it's, it's strange. you never really know what you're making when that's you're making it. You have no you idea. Look, when you look back at the films that did turn out to be like really, really good. Yeah. Um, did you, do you see common threads between the ones that were successful? <laughs> I think, let's see, I'm trying to, th- let me look my own IMDB up. I don't, can't even remember what I've worked on. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, I could tell you. <laughs> I'm what, what, at it. what, yeah. Tell me a film that was good. <laughs> that I worked on. This is Cherry Picture. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades what, of Grey. <laughs> oh gosh. I'm just kidding. Um, like Gone Girl, Hail Caesar. Yeah. Uh, I thought World War Z was pretty great. Uh, Never Let Me Go. World War Z was a very hard film to make. Um, Gone Girl, that was a really fun film to make. I really enjoyed working on that. Please um, tell us a good Fincher story, please. Well, I don't know if I can tell you a good Fincher story, but I just know that he is the most exacting um, perfectionist that you will ever meet. And, um, but I think that it's a good thing. And I think yeah. that, uh, his films, um, have a true quality to them that not all directors that inspires a lot of people that some yeah. directors can never get to. And I know from my friends and I who've worked in his art department before, uh, we call it the Fincher School of Filmmaking <laughs> because it is so tough. It's so tough. And Gone Girl was fun for me because I'd worked on a, a couple other Fincher projects already, so I knew what I was getting into. Yeah. But it, it's so tough, and it's you're so 
strive, striving for perfection because you know that's what he wants. Um, but it definitely, definitely takes you to another level. Like I feel like I, uh, I feel like if I'm a strong art director now, it's because I've gotten to work on David Fincher films because they, they, um, they really kick you to another level. How? He's just such a perfectionist. You cannot let anything slip. Um, it it all has to be, and they're very challenging too. I mean, he's always he's always pushing the envelope, isn't he? I think with yeah. what he's trying to do, and so there's a lot there's a lot to bite off. There's um, Don Donald Graham Burt, who was the designer that I've worked with um, on the Fincher projects, is is a perfectionist as well, and. They demand a lot out of you, um, but if you work hard and um, you're a devoted member of the team, you're going to do well. Right. Um, but it's a lot of work. I mean, it's long days. You're in the art department at 7 a.m., if not earlier, and you're not going home till 9 every night. It's like that's how it is. Yeah. Maybe six days a week. So you're absolutely destroyed by the middle of it. <laughs> right. You're just very tired. Um but it does making sh- you know i guess operating at that level of perfectionism really um it's like going to the gym i guess yeah you kind of build build up your strength yeah in the in the same line of uh speaking about fincher working on house of cards mm-hmm. i wanted to ask um yeah like what is the difference between working on a singular feature film and then trying to develop an art department for an entire series well um it's it's hard it's um the it's very heavy up front the series um because when you first start a series your main goal is to you maybe have one or two scripts right and so you can't see how the whole you can't see every single thing like like when you get a feature script, you can see every single thing that's going to come and um, there's this kind of a logic to how you're going to shoot it and, and what locations you're going to do when and stage sets and blah, blah, blah. Right. With the series, you don't know what's going to come up ahead, but you need to do all the heavy lifting up front. So all the, um, all the sets, all the big sets, they usually want to be stage sets. Because there's going to be night scenes, there's going to be day right, scenes. Right. You know, you need to you need to build them in, in a stage. And and set building is the longest. It's the it's the most challenging. It's way more challenging than just dressing a location. Right. So you're given a huge task of all these really heavy sets uh, that you might spread out through a production. You have to do them all at once. So um, I know that on House of Cards and. Uh, we were really, really had a big art department at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then as as we kind of got all the the main sets um, built, uh, the, we really streamlined down. And then it was a very lean art department thereafter. But mm-hmm. um, it's and then and then uh, you just have to be ready, you know, for each episode that comes up because um, you'll be shooting and then you'll have to be preparing for whatever comes, whatever comes, right. whatever the writers think up. You'll have four weeks to get get that ready. So right. it's it's like I think it's like um, like 
like waves in an ocean. Right, right. You'll finally get to a calm part, and then there'll be another huge tidal wave that'll come and knock you <laughs> <Yeah>. down. <laughs> how much? It's of, hard. How much of the conversation? And maybe this isn't um, more of the. This is kind of the question of working with the director or maybe the production designer. Mm-hmm. How, how much is subtext like a part of what you do? Like uh, mm. adding subtext into um, set design and art direction. Oh yeah, we always try to do that. Always. Is it that just something makes that you're the making the set more rich? Um, depends. Like sometimes the it's. I think it's a combination. The director will definitely have ideas. We'll have ideas that we'll come up with and with our uh, on our own. You know, if we think. Um, some sort of uh, chosen set dressing. It's a lot of character building with yeah. with um, set dressing and props and and uh, even the architecture of the space. Um, but yeah, we always try to um, take that into consideration. I'm trying to think of a good yeah, example. Is it, yeah, but, is there maybe like a, a specific moment or a scene or something that you can think of that that you guys did that? Uh, well, I remember speaking of Gone Girl, I worked on the Desi Lake house for that. And um, I know that uh, when we were choosing that house, um, we were looking for something very, very architectural because mm-hmm. we, Desi was such an exacting character. Everything yeah. was very exacting and just so. So we, that's, you know, we wanted to have that subtext. Um, you know, have that kind of subconsciously layered with the lo- that location. You know, show his wealth, but also show, you know, that he was himself a perfectionist. Hmm. That's really interesting. Maybe with, uh, I'd be curious to hear you break down some more, Kara, like um, uh, whether TV or, or films, like take us to school a little bit <laughs> and get inside of your head as an art director, mm-hmm. like, Maybe, yeah, anything that you can think of, like House of Cards or Gone Girl or Hail Caesar, anything like where it was um, you were making creative decisions to kind of help uh, the narrative. Hmm. Trying to think. I'm not sure. I might need some more priming for that question, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we just want to get inside of your head and like understand like your... um, like your process, yeah. I guess. Mm. It's also a little bit of a hard question because you're making obviously you're making hundreds of decisions every day. You know that yeah. that also are are probably minor subtextual. You know, in every single decision. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's always interesting here. We're obviously we're looking for like the big moment, like the the actual picking of Desi's house, but it's like you know more so maybe of how do you approach breaking down a character to be able to just make those subtext decisions at will, you know? Yeah, it's hard because um, I would say that it's such a group process, you know? It kind of, everything comes about very organically. There are so many conversations that happen between so many people. You know, you've got the location manager, you've got conversations between me and the production designer you've got conversations between the director and the producer and everybody everybody keeps putting ideas in so it's interesting i don't know i personally feel like i'm always contributing ideas 
But then in the end of the process, you don't know where the ideas came from because so many people had great ideas that put them into something. So it's very hard to go, oh, that was the exact, you know, that was the exact chain of thought because um, it was such an organic process. You know, maybe maybe the location manager saw a house and we'd had so many conversations about the character and we just knew that was it by the time we hashed, you know, saw it. So... If I th- can think of another sort of really specific uh, moment, I'll I will let you know. But yeah. kind of not coming up with one right now. So, Kara, I'd be curious. We kind of skipped over this a little bit, but um, yeah, even just kind of like chronologically, like your journey from being a graphic designer to mm-hmm. going to school for uh, art direction. Um, when did you, like when do you kind of like start to work professionally and like when did things kind of start to pick up for you? Well, I went to this really uh well, let me back back up a little bit. I uh, went to um University of Cincinnati for design school. Yeah. And uh that was mostly because it was a state school. It was really good. It's close to my home in Kentucky. So that was an easy way for me to get into the design world. Um, because I wasn't the type of person that was going to be able to afford to go to someplace like RISD or something like that, you know. So, but thankfully, University of Cincinnati is a really, really good school. And uh, I ended up working at a great little, great little design studio called Open in New York and uh, was exposed to so many, so many things. Um, Scott Stoll runs that studio. He's He's so inspiring. He uh, actually used to be the art director for uh, Tibor Kallman and Colors Magazine. I don't know if you guys Mm -hmm. are familiar with um, that uh, time in design in design in New York, but you should look it up sometime. He he was he's a really great designer. Um, But yeah, I just got started getting exposed to shoots, and um, I then decided I wanted to pursue set design. I wanted to learn the technical skills. I decided to uh, go to this, apply to to go to this school in England called the National Film and Television School. And um, at the time, I think they only took five people per discipline. And it's not like a film school where you just go to film school and you learn all the crafts. It's very specialized. Yeah. Um, and I had zero skills. Uh, everybody else, I remember there were, I think, 20 of us who went on this interview week there. Um, and uh, it was kind of like a mock week where everybody went and uh, had done a presentation for a script that they had read. And um, everybody had went to architecture school or interior design school, and I had not. But uh, I managed to somehow charm my way <laughs> into being the fifth person that they chose. Uh, and they told me later, they were like, yeah, we, we liked you and we thought you had good ideas. And we usually pick a wild card person every year. So that was you. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. But uh, so I just I had to work really hard to catch up with everybody because everybody knew knew how to do the architectural stuff. It was a lot of learning to draw actual sets um, and drawing blueprints and things like that, which was the best thing for me. But then after that, um, that school is very well known in the UK and there's a small film industry there and um, people that go to school there 
you kind of have a little bit of an in, like a calling card. It works very different over there, the film industry. I mean, yeah. here you could never call somebody. You could never call a production designer. If you called a production designer and go, hi, I just graduated from film school. Can I, can I meet you? They would hang up the phone on you. But for some reason, that's, so, that's perfectly acceptable to do in the UK. And so I called, uh, yeah, I called an art director um, that had worked on a, a lot of films uh, that I respected. And um, he said, yeah, come on, we're, we're doing a film. Uh, come and meet us. <laughs> and I went and met him and showed him my piddly little portfolio. And uh, they hired me as an assistant. Um, on that film, it actually never got made. It was a, hmm. it was a Hugh Grant comedy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> which, yeah. <laughs> which, uh, like I said, when you're first starting, you got to be humble and get yeah. your get your opportunities where you can. Um, so I uh, I worked on that film. Hugh Grant decided that he didn't even want to do it, so it went down. <laughs> and, uh, but that's how I got my next job is <laughs> the location manager who had done that, I got to know, and he was doing Never Let Me Go. And hmm. he said, hey, they're looking for an assistant art director. Why don't you come in an interview? And I went and interviewed. I got the job. That's crazy. That was your second gig, was that? That was my second job. Yeah, That's um, and so just yeah, just kind of kept my head down, tried to be, yeah. tried to work hard, and then uh, every um, little job or every job that I would do try would somehow lead to the next one. I'm not, I can't say that. I mean, that was a year that seems like oh yeah, I just that was my second job, but I think a year had passed right. yeah. where I was doing graphic design work again because. Mm. The Hugh Grant film had went down, and um, you know I didn't know anybody really. Yeah. Uh, but I just kept trying, politely knocking on doors. Yeah, yeah. Kara, into that. Do but. you um, like if you watched Never Let Me Go now, or even movies yeah. uh, after that? Do you have the same reaction as maybe I would, as far as like if I was part of making a film, where you'd kind of scoff at yourself? Like the decisions that you, mean, you saw. Why like, did we do that? Yeah, like why does this look <laughs> like that, or what is this? You know what I mean? Mm, I don't think that with Never Let Me Go. I think it looks really good. Um, yeah. But I know that I've thought that with other things, especially on smaller things that I've done without a big team. You know, like yeah. I, yeah. I haven't done short films in a long time. But when you're, like we all talked about, when you're doing smaller things and you're having to do everything yourself, that's when I see the glaring mistakes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when you have a big team, it's it's pretty, mm, if, when you have a big team and you're on a good team, it's usually hard to get, hard to let really obvious mistakes happen because there's so many fail-safe people that are catching it. But um, nowadays, the only time that I see things in cringe are when we've prepared uh, something and then the director and DP have decided to look another way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Does that happen more, more We didn't spend weeks... To Oh my God! Yes, yes, it does. And we're always like, "Why? We've only been here fifty thousand times." <laughs> yeah, that's funny. okay. Um, I don't even know if I should tell you this, but oh uh, please, oh, yes. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if I should tell you this story. 
Well, I'll just go ahead and tell it, and maybe I'll never work again. But um, I know on World War Z, we prepared this huge, huge set. Huge, huge set. <laughs> like a like a Russian uh, uh, complex of derelict apartment buildings. And then, oh and then they showed up on the day, and <laughs> there was a porta potty in the middle of the set. And we were like, what? What is that about? And uh, the, the director, Mark and Bob, uh, uh, decided to, Bob the DP, um, had decided to go shoot like a location like the train tracks or something down, down the street. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so this huge, huge set that had uh, we'd uh, been working on, the art department had been working on for months and spent so much money on just right. didn't even get shot. Didn't even get shot. Yeah. Wow. Well, I know that that, probably, yeah, that was probably just one of a uh, hundred things that went wrong on that shoot, I'm sure. That's, that's kind of a, a legendary uh, failure of a shoot, I know, uh, from a lot of different angles. But um, I liked the film. I thought it was cool. From a, Yeah, I mean, it did really well. Yeah. So... And Mark Forster is so lovely. He's such a nice guy. So yeah. I only want the best success for him. Yeah. So. Well, same to you, Kara. Oh, thank <laughs> you so much. Uh, for real, thanks for coming on. Uh, there's, uh, we could talk for like three more hours. I just. Yeah, hear I know it's really fun. I have a, I have a one last question, Jaren. Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Kara, would you leave us with your favorite Wu Tang song? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I can't. I can't even remember. The, the, the third song on the album with the, that's black with the yellow. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good enough answer. I'll take that. This episode of Good was mixed by Christian Stropko, or as we like to call him, Christian number two. As always, our music today was created by Cubby. That's Cubby with two Bs, and you can check out more of his music at cubbysounds.com. Also, this season of Good is produced by our new friend, Mary Taylor who'd also like to say something. Are you ever going to interview robots or do you hate them too? To find out more info about today's episode, make sure to go to goodthepodcast.com.